Shall we begin? All right, everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Franklin Francisco podcast. Today, I have a special guest. Normally, I don't talk religion or politics on my podcast because those can be sticky subjects, but I cannot claim to be an open platform and not talk about things that are relevant to the world. And faith is one of those things that are relevant to the world. So I'd like to introduce everybody to Reverend Mendez. How are we doing today? I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm good. So I wanted to bring you on specifically because, like I said, I, I'm not one to talk about religion because people, you know, people have their views and people get upset very easily when it comes to this stuff. And I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm forcing things on people, but I'm an open platform and I've never been one of those people to shy away from having people on from all walks of life from different things that they do. But not you're not only a reverend, you're also a life coach. Uh, yes. You're also a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me, what got you into deciding that you want to be part of the church? Well, I think what got me in, into the church and wanting to be in the church is that I love being in the church. And that's, you know, most people shy away from the church, but I love being in the church and not I like being in the church because that's where I feel connected to God. Mm -hmm. And also that's how I feel I can help others. You know, when my faith directs my work, my faith in God moves me to connect with the outer world, you know, and to understand it better and to uh, be able to serve uh, God's people. So that's how I got, I got, you know, I really wanted to work, to be honest with you, I wanted to be work in the church and be like a Sunday school teacher or something Mm -hmm. like this. And so I used to work in mortgages. I was a mortgage underwriter before I became a pastor and God had other plans for me. And so I kept saying, no, I don't want to be a pastor. Being a pastor is hard. It's hard work. You have to deal with a lot of people, a lot of personalities, and you still have to love them, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do so, have to love them, yeah. <laughs> right, because that's my—that's what God calls us is to love everybody, right? No matter even if they drive you crazy. So, um, yeah. So, but God had other plans for me when I said that. I I couldn't walk away from my call. What is the educational process on that? What, like, do you have to go, like, with Catholic, uh, Catholic priests, they have to go to seminary school? Is there something like that that you had to go yes, to? Yes, I had to go to seminary. Yes. Oh, you had to go to seminary. Okay. Yes, I had to go for uh, three years seminary. Uh, I did it in six because I did it part time. Mm. So it took me six years to do it because I was still working full time while I was going to seminary. And um, I uh, got a master's in divinity at Andover Newton Theological School in in, uh, Massachusetts. Wow. Yeah. So it's not just, okay, God calls you and I'm going to go preach. No, there's a a process that you have to go through. (laughs) You know, you discern that God calls you and then you have to prepare yourself. You have to prepare 
yourself by going to seminary, you know, doing studies of the Bible and, and uh, the Old and New Testament. Theologi theological education is very important to really understand what the Bible is really saying, you know. So do they teach you when you're in seminary school the different different religions that are yes. Yes, so you we, you get a worldview yes. of everything? Yes, we do. Yes, yes. Yeah. So what so explain this to me if you can. So during seminary school, I know they teach you different uh everybody has a different ideology about, you know, who they worship and what god they worship. Where did you come from learning all this? What did you what did you make of it by learning all the different religions? What did you take away from it that you started to use in your uh, your preaching when you were able to talk to the people? Did you take bits and pieces? Did you that way you can shape it into your own thing. How how did you manage to you know get all process all that information to get where you are? Soul searching and a lot of praying when when it comes to because I was raised Pentecostal. The Pentecostal tradition is a very fundamental and very very literal in their understanding of the Bible. And so um, when I went to the United Church of Christ, where I'm ordained in. Um, they're a very progressive thinking uh, denomination. And so I had to um, search and, and I had to, I had to um, pray a lot and say, okay, God, you have to show me that what is going on here. And you have to show me that, that everything that I am being taught and everything that is, is going on comes from you. And one of the revelations that I that I received through my prayers is that God's God revealed to me that everybody, He created everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. You, God loves you. God wants us to seek Him, and there are different paths of seeking God because He created the world, universal world, diverse. So I believe. You know, after I took some schooling, I believe that there are different paths to getting to God because God was the one that created the world. And if he created the world, he created different paths for the world to get to him. So when I was younger, okay, yeah. I, when I was younger, I was still trying to find myself. So, yeah. Uh, and this may sound crazy to a lot of people, but when I was young, I got baptized in Baptist Christian I got baptized mm -hmm. as a Mormon. I got baptized as a Catholic. Um, oof, I, I, I mean, everything Jehovah Witness. I, <laughs> I was baptized. I tell and I, and I joke about it, but I tell people I've been I've been saved in every religion except for Judaism and Islam. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, but when you're young, you're trying to find yourself. So I had when yeah. I was younger, I thought I, you know, I had a calling, you know, to be a, to to be a preacher. But then yeah. I caught myself because I, I knew it was going to happen. And I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to go that route. I knew I wasn't <laughs> going to be the most honest. I wasn't going to be the most honest. Pre and I didn't feel like I, you know, I needed to fleece my flock. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like yeah. a lot of these these television preachers do. A lot of these television preachers take advantage of their congregations. And I think it, it puts a bad light on people who are generally trying to do good for their congregations mm -hmm. from the people that are trying to help. One thing that I would tell my congregation, I said, I am a human just like you are. And if I get in front of the pulpit and I'm saying something that sounds crazy, believe me, it's crazy. And I don't want you to do it, you know? So I said, question what the, you need to question what the preacher is saying, you know? You have to be open because some people go to church and they sit there and they just listen to it, but they're not really, they're not really 
absorbing what is being said. But when you really absorb it, then you start asking questions. You know, you start asking questions. Okay, what does that mean? Why did he or she say that? You know, I remember, I want to tell you a story. Um, <clears throat> I, I was, uh, I, I'm fully bilingual. So I went to this church, this Hispanic church in New Britain, Connecticut. We got a, a new pastor and he was very um, intellectual. Mm -hmm. So sometimes some of the stuff he said to the congregation like went over their heads, you know, because we were sim they were simple people. But but because I am fully bilingual, but I also my English is my preferred language. So but I speak Spanish fluently. And because I was raised in the U.S. for a long time, I there are words that I still didn't understand. So one day he was preaching and he says, Tenemos que, tenemos que ir directamente al blanco. And I was like, what? I have to follow the white people? This is how I, this is how I interpret it, right? I was like, what? So I went after, after church, I went to the pastor. What are you talking about? You know, I says, why do I have to follow this, the white people? And the word blanco in Spanish it's a target. You know the target, you know, when you have an arrow and you yeah. throw, that's yeah. what the Blanco is. So uh. he's saying, keep, you know, keep your focus on the target, you know, on the target. But the, because I did Blanco to me is white. Right. You know, so I was assuming that he would talk. So, so if I hadn't been listening, it would have, you know, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't have had the experience to understand and to, to get what he was saying. So I questioned him after church and he laughed because, you know, he was from, he was born and raised in Puerto Rico. So, uh, you know, and so, so that was a funny, you know, a funny thing, but you know, so that's what I mean when we sometimes don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask a pastor. If you, if he or she says something, ask, what do you mean by that? My, my feeling is, it's like, it's like you, like, I think there's different pathways to get to God. I look at God as a, as a bicycle spoke. And then we're there's everybody's out. Everything else is going out to get to him, to the center. Mm -hmm. um, I tell people all the time, a story. It, it, it's, it's crazy the way I think my mind always, always thinking, you know, different than everybody else's. So mm -hmm. I take this story of, of the tower of Babel. Okay. Remember how they were building this? The, oh, yeah. Oh, of course you do. Remember how they were building the tower of Babel <laughs> yeah. to try to get to yeah. God, get to yeah. the heavens and God, yeah. uh, gave everybody different tongues and, and they went to different. And I tell people all the time, how do you know he didn't give them different pathways to get to him if he was able to make everybody speak different languages and send them off to different lands? Right. And then when right. I say that to people, it made, they sit back and they go, I never thought of it that way. Right. Right. That's true. That's true. When we ask, when we, you know, when we, when we take the time to listen, to read the scripture and listen, to, you know, the scripture, when you read it gives you, amazing revelations, you know, and each time you read it, you could read that text 50 times and 50 times you're going to get a different picture, you know, because that's the way God works. That's the way I understand God works. He gives you what you need at that particular time. Is it tough for you to stand up there though? Sometimes because everybody's not going to have a good day. You know what I mean? Right. You're not going to stand up there and always have a good sermon. 
So I know yeah. there's going to be times where you go up there and it's going to be a tough crowd sitting there and they're just going to be staring at you. Has that ever yeah. happened to you in all the time you've been doing this? Oh, yeah. There was one time, I'll tell you, I, I was having new members come into, I, I had this church, I was pastoring this church in East Hartford, Connecticut. We were having five new members being uh, come into the church that day. So it was a very special Sunday. It was communion Sunday. It was new members Sunday. And I was getting the, the I was going crazy trying to get the, um, the communion ready. And I wrote this sermon and I'm, t- and I don't know where that sermon went. And so we started praising God. And all of a sudden, I looked to the side of me. Okay, okay, where's my sermon? Oh, oh, where's my sermon? So I left quietly while they were praising to the car, thinking it was in my car. No, Francisco, it was not in my car. And up to this, t- until the, today's date, I don't know what happened to that sermon. So what I had to say to the congregation was, well, apparently God didn't want me to preach what I had written. (laughs) And so whatever's coming out of my mouth is truly from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And believe me, Francisco, no, everybody that was at that service said it was my best sermon. Wow. I don't know what I said (laughs) because it came, you know, the Holy Spirit took over and I don't remember what I said. But it, they, it, that's the first time my congregation said it was my best sermon, you know. So, so God works in mysterious ways. So typically, how long does it take you to put a sermon together? Because I know this is not something that comes off the top of your head. You, you have to look at verses. You have to look at the books in the Bible. It takes a whole week, actually. It takes the, the week, you know, like Sunday and then it's Monday. Monday, I used to, it was my day off. So I didn't do much of that anything on Monday. But Tuesday... I would take the text and I would read it and I would read it. I would read it like in Spanish and English, several different versions. And then I would make some notes and then on Wednesday. And then I would pray also through the week about what God wants me to say. I would also be open to where I saw signs that God would want me to bring, you know, like an illustration that God might want me to bring to, to the service on Sunday. And then on Saturday, on Friday night, uh, Friday during the day, I would put something together, mm-hmm. you know, like a, you know, like an outline and a few, and then Saturday I would finish the work and so, and then on Sunday I would go over. and you have to read also that you not only do you read the, the scripture, but you also read document you know uh, commentaries on on the text what is other theologians what other the theological people are saying about the text you know so that you can bring a balanced uh, view of what god is trying to say and also you have to take the text and bring it to today's world you know so so it's all about interpretation essentially yeah you have to have some interpretation yes okay because a lot of people take a lot of people take the word of the bible literally um yeah. and i think a lot of people get frustrated so and I, i'm just playing devil advocate with you because you have a <laughs> yeah. lot of people you see you do you have a lot of people that say this book is over three thousand years old this mm-hmm. book was written by man and it was written by man again and then written by man again and changed over time it changed over time mm-hmm. so you know and a lot of people take what they what it says literally you know what i mean and they yeah. don't, you know but at the same there's certain things in there you really can't take literal 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They say that, you know, your kids disobey, you can sell them into slavery and stone them to death. That's mm-hmm. that's not something you can do today. I mean, right. I mean common sense should tell you that. Yeah. People pull these passages and they take, and I think that's what causes a lot of the, a lot of the yes. drama when it comes to religion. Yes, yes. It's like, there's a text that says women shouldn't be, you, should, you know, shouldn't speak in, in, in public or speak at church or be even a pastor. You know, I had somebody once question my, my um my call to ministry he says you're you're a woman why are you why are you preaching wow and i said because god called me to do this and god calls who he wants to call it doesn't matter who you are if god wants you to be a preacher he'll call you doesn't matter what color what skin color what language what you know even what sexual orientation it doesn't matter if god wants to use you He'll find a way to use you, you know. So we're not to judge. God is the judge of all, you know. We are to call, we're called to love. That's so, what we're called for: to love and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So one of the greatest lines that I've heard was from uh, a pastor that was at a church that we went to visit. Okay, one mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Um, and he said, "Don't come for the ritual; come mm-hmm. for the message." Yes. And I think a lot of people go to church because it's a ritual that they do every Sunday, but they're not, they're missing the point. You don't go mm-hmm. to church for, for the ritual. You go to, you stay for the message. That's mm-hmm. what you're going for. And mm-hmm. I think that one, once I heard that line, I was like, wow, that's actually, that's actually pretty deep because a lot of people don't think that way. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets dressed up in their, you know, in their best, you know, Sunday best and they go to church and it's, it's a ritual for them. But mm-hmm. I think the message is important. And I don't care what faith you're in. As mm-hmm. long as you believe in something that's helping you stay in a straight and narrow and helping you go through life, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Everybody has to believe in something. Yes. And I think what you do, though, is is you don't judge anyone. You don't say because you're this, because you're that, that you can't come to God. And I, and I find that, you know, refreshing because you have churches out there that will be like, well, you can't come in here if you're dressed like this. Mm-hmm. Jesus wore rags. Jesus ain't come in a three-piece suit to church. Mm-hmm. And God and Jesus was out. He he ate with the sinners. You know, he ate with the drunks. He ate with the prostitutes. He, the tax collectors. Jesus was with the people, especially with the people that were hurting. You know, so we we have to be the same way. If we're if we're for true followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be with all God's people. Now, with what you do, uh-huh. okay, you are you are a life coach as well. Break that down for me a little bit. What do you mean by a life coach? What is it that you provide people um, with your services? Well, a a coach, you know, life coach helps the person go from where they're at Mm -hmm. to where they need to be. I say that, um, you know, I'm assisting people and communities of faith achieve their best self. So, and it, and it's, I believe it's an art, you know, coaching is like an art. So you ask the right questions, like you're asking me questions. So I'm responding and you're listening. Well, it's similar to coaching. I ask questions of the person and I ask at the beginning, what is it that you want to accomplish in your life? What is it that you want to do? What is your focus? And that, when they tell me that, then I can pull the right questions to get them where in the journey that they want to go to. It makes sense. 
but you're not just coaching people though, right? I, you're you're also you're also coaching other uh, preachers, right? Other reverends and uh, people who are learning um, to do this. Yeah, yeah, especially on uh, new church new church planters or per people who are starting new churches mm-hmm. because um, starting a new church is hard work and it's very lonely sometimes, you know. So having a coach to help you uh, find solutions to the various complex uh, things that are happening in a new church start is wonderful. I wish I had had a coach when I started a new church. I would have avoided a lot of problems. I would have avoided a lot of mistakes, you know, and having a coach also helps you to, when you, when the coach sits with you and asks the question, that the questions help you to see the bigger picture of what's happening around you. And you have a lot of aha moments and you also find solutions to your situation that you have, you had no idea because when you speak it out, when you speak it out loud, it makes sense. And your brain just goes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so it's a sense of relief to a lot of these people that you're coaching though, right. For starting their own churches. Cause I believe, I mean, that's, it is, it's a tough road. It's a tough road because you have to build a congregation from scratch. Mm -hmm. You're not coming into a, unless you're coming into a church already that's established, but even then you still have to win over your parishioners, period. It's not like you can come into the church and, Hey, I'm the new guy you know, rah, rah, rah for me. (laughs) Yeah. They have to, you know, they have to want to follow the message that you're giving. Yeah. And you have to, you have to develop, you have to develop um, trust. You know, it's you have to develop a relationship of trust with the with the people. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes time to develop that. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, so typically, how long do you coach these? Uh, how long do you keep the relationship going coaching uh, for these new uh, reverends and these new pastors who are opening up churches? Well, it depends on, you know, most most denominations, because um, I also work. Uh, with different denominations on, you know, right now I'm working with the ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and the United Church of Christ doing um, coaching for pastors with them. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes it's five sessions and sometimes it's a year, depending on what uh, the denomination wants uh, the new coach to, uh, the new pastor to have. So I find it fascinating when you say that, though, you say denominations. So you work with all the uh, as many denominations that's out there. You're just not specifically one one denomination. You work with all. Well, right now I'm working with the Lutherans and the UCC, but Mm -hmm. I'm 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 getting my being a coach. My one of my goals is to be ecumenical. And so I can work with the Presbyterian Church. I can work with the Methodist church, I can work with the Episcopal church, you know, depending on, uh, especially because there's not a lot of uh, Hispanic Latino um, coaches for uh, any of the denominations. So, um, so there's a big gap, be- you know, between the Euro-American congregations having uh, trained coaches, coaches versus Hispanic Latino congregations. 
Well, I, it's funny that you say that because there's not a lot of Hispanic anything when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to people that have positions of being able to help other people. But I, I think mm-hmm. that's a barrier that we're starting to break mm-hmm. uh, on that front. You know, we there's so much talent out there. I don't care if it's religion or not religion, but there's so much talent out there that's not being cultivated. You know, mm-hmm. we I had a podcast uh, with uh, someone where we talked about how the Latino the Hispanic community contribute like 1.4 uh, a billion or trillion dollars to the, the U.S. economy per year. Mm-hmm. So the talent is there. We spend money. You know what I mean? Yes. But we just have to be able to get ourselves out there further uh, mm-hmm. than we are right now. But I, I find it fascinating that this is an area that you, you've you been in for years. Do you see yourself slowing down anytime soon? Slowing down? Yeah. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't think so because uh, I like what I'm doing. This mm-hmm. is a new, I. it's more than, it's like a ministry for me, you know, because before I was a, a local church pastor, now I'm a coach and, um, and it's a, a new way of doing ministry and connecting to the church, you know? So that, that's awesome. I think that's great. I, and mm-hmm. I'm and a pastor for me, I'm a pastor at heart and I will always, you know, I will be a pastor for life for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But, um, but coaching connects me to the church and to the pastors and to, into the, the communities of faith right now. And so I'm really enjoying that. So I know you have your master's. Have you ever thought about going back to school and getting your PhD? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I did at one time, but, you know, time just flew by and uh, it didn't happen. But, you know, I'm just enjoying the ride right now, what I'm doing. You know, I'm supposed to be retired, but I'm, I call myself semi-retired because I'm, I'm still finding ways to connect with with uh, the church <laughs> when you've been working when you've been working for a long time it's it's hard to just turn it off you just can't yeah you know yeah, it, it's yeah. ingrained in you it's ingrained yeah. in you to keep moving and, and hustling and i think and it keeps you young i think it keeps you you know it keeps you young i you know i like i like being with people and this is a way to connect with people so what advice do you have for young people and i'm not talking about I'm not talking about people in their thirties and, and if I'm talking about young people, people in their teens that might feel like they have a pull, uh, they have a pull to do what you're doing. They have a pull to be become a reverend or to become a preacher. What is your advice for them? If, if they, they have self doubts about that. I think that what I would say is that if there is a burning in your heart to be a pastor, find a a mentor or somebody that could walk with you in the process mm-hmm. because you you shouldn't do it alone you know and always have some people that you know surround yourself with people who believe in your in your gifts and your talents because uh sometimes you know when we feel like we're called to do something and we don't we share it and some people are negative, right? And they give us this negative, oh, that's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. So what you do is you find the people that affirm your gifts and you stay with them because everybody needs affirmation. And when you are affirmed, you thrive. When you, are, um, when you find people that rejoice with you, you thrive when you find people 
were kind to you and opened doors and say yes, you know, because we all need a cheerleader, right? And so if you have a good cheerleader, there's nothing that you cannot do. So for you, mm -hmm. what has been the biggest pain point for you during this whole process? Pain? Pain point. Like, <laughs> like anything else, there's always a pain point when you're, when you're trying to achieve something. Yeah. I think that, <clears throat> I think that sometimes the pain is when people see you less than, than the way God sees you. Like, okay, I'm an ordained minister, but I've sat at some tables where people don't accept me as a pastor. So that's painful. It's painful and feels, and you feel the rejection, mm. you know, but I also know that God called me and I, I trust that God called me for this ministry. And I, I lean on God and I trust that God is the one in control. Because if I let those things that I hear and those feelings, then I would not, um, I would not thrive, you know, but it is hurtful. It's hurtful when you, when you feel it at that time, but you have to snap out of it and say, okay, I know God, you didn't call me for this. You called me to do the work that you have called me. And I know that you're not going to forsake me. Yeah. I, you know, one of the lines that, that, that I, I saw today that made a lot of sense. It says, nobody's going to come and save you. You need to get up. You need to get yep. up. That's right. You need to get up because <laughs> nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to stick their hand out to pick you up. You need to get yourself up. And That's right. That's and I, right. I think a lot of people need lack some self-confidence. But like you said, everybody needs affirmation. Everybody needs affirmation. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I'm one of the toughest guys out here that can say I'm one of these guys that go, man, I'm not worried about, you know, somebody patting me on the back and give me yeah. a congratulations. But that's all baloney because in the back of our heads, no, seriously, yeah. in the back of our heads, yes. we're, we're thinking, why is yeah. nobody telling me this? Why? But you know, nobody had faith in, in what I'm doing now with this podcast, you know, mm -hmm. except for people who are closest to me, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm, you know, starting to thrive now because it's me putting in the consistent work and yes. people letting me, letting me know that the product is good. And, yeah. you know, what I'm doing, you know, means something to people. So, it, and I think it's the same thing when it comes to faith and it comes to, yes. you know, I don't really like the word religion because I don't think it should be used a lot. I, I yeah. think faith is more of adequate word for it Yeah. because it's faith. You're not yeah. really, religion to me sounds like a business. Yeah. I don't think faith should be a business. I think faith is more about finding what, what, you know, burns in your heart. That's going to help you lead you down the path to, uh, to mm -hmm. success. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I think that when you use the word religion, it also has a, sometimes a, a negative connotation to it mm -hmm. because religion has been used to oppress people. It has been used uh, to hurt people. And so when you use the word religion, it has that connotation sometimes. I like faith, too. I like to talk about faith, you know, spirituality, you know, um, some something that is greater than I am out there, you know. And so and God is, you know, amazing. But it's refreshing to hear your point of view, though, because you don't like I said, you're just not you're not focused on one thing. You're not lumping everything in. You believe in something higher than yourself. You don't believe in just, you know, dealing with one denomination. It's it's amazing that you have all this knowledge in your head 
and you're able to give this knowledge to other people to, to help them learn, to help them grow into themselves when it's their turn to go up there and talk to their, you know, uh, to their congregation. Mm-hmm. So where can people find you at if they want advice from you, if they want coaching from you, where can people reach you? Uh, they can call, they can, uh, my, e- my email address is, uh, P my, my business e- e- email mm-hmm. address is PRM for Percida Rivera Mendez, uh, coaching dot consulting, consulting 2022 mm-hmm. at gmail.com. So are you on any other social platforms that people can reach you at as well that you uh, that, that you're typically on LinkedIn? Uh, do you have a LinkedIn I'm, profile? I, 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 yeah, I'm on link. Yes, I'm on link. Yep. Yep. As so, uh, Reverend Persida Rivera Mendez. <laughs> so I'll post, uh, I'll post both of those up for you. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, that way people can get a hold of you if they, if they listen to this and they feel that they need that kind of extra push and that kind of help. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, thank you for coming on. This has been thank very you for having me. I had a wonderful time. Yeah, it's it's, been, it's very it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I try to I try to do that with my guests to make them feel relaxed. Yeah. But I appreciate everybody tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Have a good day. Okay. God bless.